0: Eight
1: five five three two five one seven eight zero. 1780 That's eight five five three two five seventeen eighty. 1780
2: You guys, it's Rick Tittle.
3: Alrighty then, uh, welcome to another live edition of Titillating Sports with Rick Tittle. That's a mouthful. Uh, happy Hump Day to you, what you be gotten when it comes to the world of sports. That's the thing that we do here at Sports Byline USA, here downtown San Francisco, is that we talk sports. And the great thing about this show, well, I'm so. No, I'll talk about any sport you would like. <coughs> So, what would that be, Rick? How about football, basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, golf, tennis, auto-racing, boxing, olympics, go to ball, chess, checkers, rugby, cricket. Oh, yeah, that type of stuff. And uh, we'll do it together at the toll-free line. 1-800-878-PLAY. Once again, 1-800-878-7529. That gets you heard. That gets you in. And that gets you in the jackpot. Yeah, that's right. In the jackpot. I say that because umpire John Hirschbeck will join us again. It's always great to talk to uh, John, find out who's getting yelled at one way or the other. <laughs> and, uh, no, it's for charity. Uh, we'll also have uh, the Lucas brothers, who are, uh, you know, I think about the Sklar brothers, the way they're able to pull off a comedy act. And the Lucas brothers do the same thing, although they are uh, they're a different vibe than the Scar brothers. Whilst kind of being the same, the Scar brothers do a great job of like finishing each other's sentences. But uh, these guys, the way they present things, is uh, pretty hilarious. And these guys will be at Raleigh Goodnights down there in North Carolina this weekend. Uh, we're also going to have uh, two-time Super Bowl champion. Actually, my memo says two-time Super champion. He's a super champion, Super Bowl champion, and Navy grad Joe Cardona. We'll also have the Irish actor Stuart Townsend. Oh, he's from Ireland. I'm Rick Tittle. Get on back. Oh. Right now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, get up to a
4: $15 gift card after mail-in rebate when you purchase select SuperStart batteries. With the power and capacity your vehicle demands, SuperStart batteries are designed for lasting performance and consistent starts. Turn the key with confidence with SuperStart batteries only at O'Reilly Auto Parts.
5: Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.
6: So... How can I promote my new curbside pickup service? It's possible
7: with Staples Connect. I need custom floor decals that'll get noticed, not just walked on. Also possible,
8: Staples Connect can help your business grow with custom printed sales and marketing materials. And now get 15% off signs, posters, and decals when you spend $75 or more. Explore what's new at your local Staples store or staplesconnect.com. Staples Connect, the working and learning store. Ends 529. Visit staples.com signage for details.
9: Head to relieffactor.com or call 1-800-500-8384. Relief Factor helps to support a healthy response to inflammation and decreases discomfort from the effects of daily living. And you can get yours at relieffactor.com or by calling 1-800-500-8384. Your life, your freedom, get back to living at relieffactor.com.
3: Thank you for that, and uh, welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. Great to have you with us wherever you are listening. And uh, we're also happy to bring back to the show from Stetson University Dr. Scott Jones as we talked to him uh, last year uh, during the uh, pandemic, and uh, it looks like We are getting a uh, little bit closer to getting back to uh, normality again with outdoor sporting events returning to full capacity in uh, many states. Uh, Dr. Jones, thanks for being on the – Dr. Jones, I feel like it's Indiana Jones. Sorry, I'm sure you get that a lot. But anyway, Dr. Jones, where are we right now with any kind of like federal basis to these uh, conditions? Is it still kind of state by state and sometimes county by county?
11: Yes, especially at, I think, the high school level and the amateur sport level. We spend so much time talking about, you know, the big sports. Um, but, yeah, you still have a great deal of variance across counties and states, and as uh, <clears throat> which is one of the things I guess we're learning about pandemics and things of that nature is what's the best way to, uh, to handle these, whether it's a local level or, or federal level.
3: You know, it's funny when the, they said, you know, wear a mask, wear a mask, Anthony Fauci, wear a mask. And I think most of us who aren't scientists, we all listen to the scientists and and wore masks. And so now when they say, hey, if you're vaxxed and you're outside running, you don't need to run one, uh, you don't need to wear one. Um, And actually heard some scientists, especially out here at UCSF, uh, University of California, San Francisco Medical Center saying, hey, you can take it off. And it actually looks bad to have it on when we tell you to take it off so we're so conditioned now to leave it on i think a lot of people have trepidation even if they're vaxxed to take it off
11: there's the public perception issue i think still at play and um yeah you know it'll be interesting to see candidly how many folks even after they're vaccinated um have sit simply adjusted in their own lives, maybe maybe we've all become slightly more germaphobes <laughs> through this, and uh, there may be a number of folks that, um, you know, choose to continue to, to wear a mask in certain c- scenarios, even if it's, uh, you know, boarding an airplane or, um, you know, traveling and things of that nature. I, I suspect that we'll see a lot of people that, that continue to wear those moving forward.
3: You know, it's funny how, because this is a first-time thing, we keep getting data and Remember, the Pfizer uh, vaccine, when it first came out, said it had to keep almost like at sub-zero temperatures, and and once you put it in a regular fridge, it was good for about five days, then you had to throw it out. Well, now they say, actually, it's good for about a month, and, uh, you know, people like me would say, oh, we we threw all that stuff away, what happened? And and I guess what happened is they they just didn't have the data, they didn't know how long it was going to last, so all of this is very fluid, isn't it?
11: The, that's the most interesting thing in many ways about this entire pandemic is how every single person on the planet has had their lives directly impacted by the same thing really the first time that i can think of that anything in history where you could say that about um, and it's not just on the individual level it's on an organizational level every company has hopefully learned something had to adjust um, and certainly in the world of medicine and CDC guidelines, um, and Pfizer pharmaceutical learning exactly, you know, how long, you know, the vaccine can be, uh, you know, exposed to higher temperatures. You yeah, that's just the fascinating part about this, obviously, other than the catastrophic death toll kind of thing, um, that everyone is learning a great deal, um, and that's part of the, the interesting part about it, really.
3: couple more questions for Dr. Scott Jones from Stetson University. Where are we with the Tokyo Olympics? Because obviously they got pushed back a year, and mm-hmm. this, this supposed to begin in July, and they said, okay, no foreign fans, but we're pulling this off no matter what. And yet there are a lot of people in Tokyo who say, ah, it's, it's still too early. We should, we should cancel them. They're going ahead with it, obviously, with the IOC. But uh, how do you think that's going to go down?
11: Well, I I think for the benefit of the IOC, it helps to have seen so many professional sports and amateur sports come back and have success really over the last year. Um, I will admit that at this time last year, if you told me that sports would would return even without fans, I would have speculated that there would have been some cases of athletes, right, having severe complications from COVID and, you know, tragically made perhaps even deaths. And what's remarkable, really, if you think about it, is that we have not been in that situation, that these leagues, and even as they begin to re-events you know, uh, you know events occurring with fans again, they've had a great deal of success in terms of pulling these things off. Um, and so I think the IOC has a, you know, certainly plenty of great uh, examples to, to follow in terms of how they do this. Um, One of the nice things about the Olympics in some sense is that uh, they already create sort of bubbles uh, around the Olympic teams for each country. So it was all, you know, historically, it's even sort of created those kinds of of bubbles. Um, I think the fan involvement will be an interesting part. Um, I would speculate that the TV viewership certainly in the United States will, will likely be down, but that's because I would that's what we've seen with all sports as they've returned. Um, I've been speculating for a while now that especially here in the U S but probably around the world, there's a great deal of screen fatigue is what I've been calling it. Um, just fewer and fewer people that want to sit in front of a television to watch live sport when they've been staring at a computer screen all day. Um, so, you know, I think that there's, there's that element, um, You know, certainly from the world of sponsorship, there's probably some concerns for the global sponsors, the Coca-Colas of the world, about what could happen if there are, um, if we do have a problem with COVID at the Olympics and how that could reflect on the brands that sponsored the event themselves. Um, so that could be a, you know, certainly if you work for some of the global sponsors of the Olympics, you're prepared for how you would respond to a, a PR uh, situation where you might have, uh, you know, some COVID problems at at the games. Um, otherwise, I'm I'm expecting a, a very interesting Olympics. I think it's fascinating to. Given that the Olympics are largely known for their amateurism, the patriotism, those kinds of things that are associated with the games, I think it's a little interesting that the golf is likely to be the most sort of focused on in terms of attention uh, in Japan, and those will be professional athletes competing both on the women's and the men's side. But certainly in Asia, that golf is going to be a very, very popular sport. Uh, At an Olympic Games, it's normally well-known, of course, for its amateur uh, position for the athletes.
3: Last question for you. When this whole thing started, were you kind of in the school of, you know, not so much Trump, it'll magically go away, but did you think that it would basically shut down 2020, the entire year, stretching into here we are almost halfway through 2021? Did did you kind of think long-term it would be like this, or did you – Think that, uh, like a lot of us, that you know, by football season last year, it would have been gone by then. Where, where were you in the beginning?
11: I was like everyone else that, you know, expecting that maybe this goes for a month or two months. This mm-hmm. is, you know, I, I guess other than some, um, you know, some scientists that could could you know could have visualized sort of a worst case scenario um, where you truly have a global shutdown. Um, I I certainly was not anticipating this, but the longer it went, the more sense it made. And in many ways, I still think it's remarkable that, you know, as early as June, you have the Indianapolis 500 running again, the PGA Tour returning. Obviously, all of these things without fans, but I thought it was really a a very interesting case of, of watching some of these professional sport leagues. In particular, being able to pull off these events for their athletes in a safe environment. And I think we've learned a lot from it, and I suspect the Olympics have learned a lot from it. And I, to your point, I agree with you that unless there is some massive activism against running the Olympics, um, especially locally in Japan, then I think you're right that that the games will go on. They likely will go on with very few fans, if any. And we'll see how that also impacts the viewership. One of the things that was a big takeaway for me when you referenced college football season, um, it's a reminder that for, for the television audience, watching sports that have fans in attendance, it makes a difference to the TV viewer. I remember watching Auburn versus Alabama last year and just not feeling the same excitement for that game, seeing only 15, 20% in in attendance. I thought the PGA Tour, the PGA Championship this last weekend was a great reminder of it. You know, I, I enjoyed watching golf as it came back with no fans, but watching the PGA Championship last weekend, which may have been a little bit overboard in terms of fan interaction, but just the excitement that having fans at a sporting event provides even the TV audience. And so that will be an interesting part of the Olympics as well, is to see how much interest there is in watching games where there may be no one in attendance at a gymnastics event, those kinds of things.
3: All right, that is uh, Scott Jones, Ph.D. from Stetson University. As always, thanks for your time and your insights, Doctor.
11: Very much appreciate it and have a great day. All right.
3: That's Dr. Jones. Dr. Cool will take you the rest of the way. Come on back on Sports Byline.
8: 1759.
12: so disgusted by Rick Tittle that I find him very intoxicating.
3: Oh, I know. That's hard, isn't it? 1-800-878-PLAY. We have a free segment here. Next segment, John Hirschbeck will join us once again. He with the great ring-em-up called strike three, the old twist. Uh, Also, the Lucas brothers will uh, join us, Uh, George Lucas and Lucas Mora uh, at uh, 10-12. Joe Cardona, uh, Super Bowl champ, and uh, played at uh, Navy. Anchors away, my boy. Anchors away. And uh, we'll also have Irish actor Stuart Townsend, who uh, was quote-unquote married to Charlize Theron, who once sat in this seat. She was doing some show, and I came in to start my show. She got up. She's wearing these jeans and Ugg boots. She got out of the chair, and I go, hey, how's it going? She goes, hey, how are you? And people said, did you ask for a selfie? I'm like, no, this is a work setting. Olivia Wilde out in the hall. I felt like a schlep rock, but I did say, can I get a selfie? She's like, sure. Olivia Wilde, fantastic actress and one of the most beautiful women on the planet. (laughs) Easily top 10 on Earth. And uh, I went in. Rick is objectifying with a, Okay, I'm objectifying. 1-800-87A-PLAY. Well, listen to this. This is interesting, and it's hitting all the news agencies, both sports and non-sports. And what is that? Well, you might remember, in the spring of 2008, the NFL was in a situation where they had a little bit of a crisis. And we'll get to that at another time, because we have my main man, Charlie, in New York City. What's going on, Charlie?
13: Hey, Rick. What's going on, man? Um, how's uh, How are you doing?
3: Not too shabby. How are you doing, my man?
13: 92 degrees.
3: Wow. Very hot.
13: Wow. But, uh... Yes? Um, I'm sorry. I got. I, I'm sorry. Someone was. I was giving somebody a finger. I think it's 92 um,
3: degrees in your head. No, it's very hot here, so we're having
13: that heat rage. Anyway, I'm sorry. I, I, I blanked <laughs> out for a second. Somebody flipped me the bird, and I gave it back to him. New York hospitality. New York
3: is um, back, baby. Rick Moranis got punched, and you're giving the finger. It's back.
13: Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, Warriors. I want to put a little bow tie on the Warriors uh, season. You uh, know, obviously, you go off of rumors and stuff and all that. Um, as the Clippers implode before our eyes, and they're going to lose probably to the Mavericks, uh, is there any any validity to these rumors that Kawhi Leonard may be available?
3: Uh, I don't have any inside information. I find that highly unlikely because that's Ballmer's. Prize possession. I don't know how the money could possibly work. I mean, anything's possible um, being that he's already been on three teams. So, uh, I, I just think the whole thing about being in Southern California and being with Paul George and all that, I I don't think he's going to throw it away. But, I mean, you know, if 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 they could pull... I, w- I would bow down to the Warriors if they could do some kind of thing where they could, like, trade Draymond for Kawhi. But that's... <laughs> <laughs> That's never going to happen, and plus Kawhi makes more money anyway.
13: No, well, I know. I mean, if the I'm just going, I'm thinking, and based on what I had read, was like the Clippers basically don't have a first round pick for another for another sixty years because they gave it all away for Paul George. Uh, the team again, sort of, is in this implosion mode, and Kawhi is on a player option year, and maybe uh, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm, you know, listen, I'm not, uh, I'm not. Falling for the like some Warrior fans fell to the uh, end of the Kupo uh, pipe
0: yeah, dream. Right.
13: But if the, if the team if they decide that they need to do, redo things over the Warriors do have a bunch of ones and yeah I mean they got Draymond they got Wiggins. Listen, I that would be big game fishing. If, if the Warriors want to get back into title contention, if they can obtain a player like a Kawhi Leonard, that would. Definitely put them right there. I think. Um, anyway, also completely unrelated to sports. You were talking about show uh, when you uh, Friday when you talk about Hollywood and, and shows and stuff you watched. You, you mentioned the show Mayor of East uh, East Town, uh, which I call Mayor of Winningham, just because <laughs> um, I'm, I'm I get from it. the sixth. I, I, I just called that because uh, when my wife and I turned on and said, we're going to watch Mayor of Winningham. Yeah. Um, what, do you like that show? Are you liking that show?
3: No. Uh, well, this is the uh, thing. I, I, I mock myself because I watch it. But it's it's hard, first of all, and this is going to, once again, I'm going to get in trouble. It's hard to look at Kate Winslet because she's a fantastic actress. But, really, you know, yeah. she, she looks like she plays for the 49ers, and it's so... Like this last episode of Why Weren't You There When He Killed Himself, they just stretch the pain and the dishrag and the misery, and of course I can't take my eyes off it, so I'm not having a good time while I'm watching it, and yet it sucked me in.
13: Well, it's frustrating because it's it's the type of show that has elements to it that can be, that can make it a great show. There, there are aspects of it but then, then they ha- they they like you just said they focus on the suicide of the son, and and I hope I'm not a uh, spoiler alert to anyone who hasn't watched it, and and, and then you get like, uh, so I'm uh, frustrated, but I I I because I, I it's good at times, and disappointing at other times, but it's like I'm like this has the makings of being a really good miniseries, but but.
3: It isn't. Did, did, weren't you weren't weren't you surprised at the end of the last episode that we're going to get another one? I mean, what the only thing different now for me, uh, will be that if it was the guy's brother with the beard, that if he's the father, that's the only new thing I think they can throw into it. But they have to make it an hour, so there'll be more of "I hate you, mom." No, I hate you, kind of stuff. Yeah, they're,
13: dry. they're They could have made the last episode. They should have just stretched it out an hour and twenty minutes or an hour and fifteen and wrapped it up. Yeah, I, I, when it when it ended like that, I'm saying, wait, there's another episode. Let's wrap the show up. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. Well, all right. So uh, overall, I guess uh, thumbs down for Mayor of Winningham. All right, Rick. I'll talk to you later, buddy. All
3: right. Thank you. And and listen, it's well acted. It's uh, but it's just one of those things where you ever had a friend. That is still your friend, but all they do is argue with you. Or all they do is complain. You know, it's usually a friend you've had your whole life, so you're kind of stuck with them. Or her. Um, (laughs) I have a good friend that she hangs out with a group of like five other girls, and there's one girl that's just a pill, as they call her, who just does nothing but moan. And I go, why do you guys hang out with her? Oh, because she's always been our friend. So I kind of of like the mayor of Easttown... To that, it's like, all it's going to do is make you feel miserable, but you're stuck with it. <laughs> um, because it is, uh, first of all, we're just dying for content. And Kate Winslet is a fantastic actress, but she's such a, uh, uh, the character is such a dud and the fact that multiple guys keep asking her out, that would never happen in real life because she has nothing going for her. Nothing. You know, some people, man and woman, they have looks, personality, laughter, whatever, you know, just sweetness, nothing. And then people are asking her out. It just, it's a weird, weird show. You know what we'll do? We'll ask John Hirschbeck if he watches it. Coming up next on Sports by
4: Anderes geben Diesem Land habe ich Treue Geschworen Bin geboren In der Pfalz. Ich lieb dich Nun mal Jeden
10: Berg Jedes Tag Heimatland Du mein schönes Pfälzerland Die Wolf-
9: Hi, this is Ron Barr, and I've got great news for anyone suffering from ongoing pain due to aging, overexertion, and the effects of everyday living. Relief Factor is a 100% research-based formula that was created to combat the root causes of inflammation. Relief Factor is designed to address sore muscles, stiff joints, aches, and the general discomfort you may feel. There are four key ingredients, and each approaches the body's natural inflammatory response function from a different metabolic pathway. And they've got something special for Sports Byline Network listeners. You can get their three-week quick start program for just $19.95. That's only 95 cents a day. Head to relieffactor.com or call 1-800-500-8384. Relief Factor helps to support a healthy response to inflammation and decreases discomfort from the effects of daily living. And you can get yours at relieffactor.com or by calling 1-800-500-8384. Your life, your freedom. Get back to living at relieffactor.com.
8: Time for your Small Business Report, presented by Dell Small Business. It is important to put customers first, especially as a small business. Fast email and social media response is critical for building brand
3: trust. Try to keep response time to 24 hours or less for all communications with customers and wholesalers. This gives your business the chance to turn unhappy customers into loyal ones. If you
8: can be there quickly, you can immediately relieve the issue. And high-quality support can often lead to more brand awareness and brand loyalty and trust. And that's your Dell Small Business Report. It's Small Business Month,
14: and Dell Technologies and Windows are celebrating your unstoppable drive. Save up to 45% on powerful PCs with Windows 10 Pro to work from anywhere, plus top monitors and docks for the ultimate business setup, all with easy financing options through Dell Financial Services. Speak to a Dell Technologies advisor who can help you find the right business tech, server, storage, and cloud solutions at 877-ASK-DELL. That's 877-ASK-DELL for Small Business Month savings.
12: Rick Tittle always goes commando.
3: All right. uh, Thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on American Forces Radio Network. It's a pleasure to welcome back to the show former Major League umpire John Hirschbeck. He's here on behalf of CollectibleExchange.com. And uh, the uh, benefit um, is for the Magic of Michael Foundation. Very rare and vintage collectibles on the auction block through june 6th in uh, memory of uh, john's son michael john welcome uh back to the show and for you when you go through all the stuff that you've collected over the years and then you get a lot of people who contribute are you is it always you know touching when you you ask people for stuff and then they kind of overwhelm you with great things to help out with this charity
15: John again and um And yes, it it really is. Um, I think people, most people, all people want to to do do well and help out what they think is a worthy cause. And um, you know, since we started the Magical Michael, um, Michael passed in 2014, so in in 15, we've been able to do a lot of good things in Northeast Ohio. We work closely with Akron Children's Hospital and um, we have a lot of programs for inner city children Children with disabilities, and we've done you know ramps for wheelchairs. We bought electric wheelchairs, uh, uh, companion dogs, just a a lot of different things. Summer programs. Um, So people have been overwhelmingly supportive, and it really is a great thing.
3: What would be one or two things that you have where you think, man, I could get a pretty penny for this, but I can't. I just can't part with this. I got to keep this.
15: Uh, There were things that. I didn't get rid of that were more family related um, things that had to do with my son, Michael and all the years that he bat boyed. people don't realize it, but he was on the field. Um, I don't think for years and years, uh, never missed a spring training game that I was working, hmm. you know, in this area and um, everywhere from Yankee stadium, Fenway park, he, he never missed the Cleveland or Pittsburgh game. Um, you know, I'd be there working and he would be with me and, Players knew that it was my son, but, um, you know, obviously no one in the stands ever knew. So things that had to do with Michael were just, you know, personal things that
3: I would never get rid of. Yeah, no, I can totally see that. When when you made the transition from, I think a lot of kids don't know, that the Empires used to be one league, and you had the hat that said Al, and then, yeah. <laughs> and then you had to yeah. get the, the MLB logo on your hat, basically half your career one way or the other, but I remember, you know, in the 70s and 80s, they would say, you know, one league's a fastball league, one league is a curveball league. Did did, did did you find any of that to be true, or was umpiring just umpiring?
15: Umpiring was just umpiring. But those rumors were out there, and they were significantly out there. Um, I can remember being, whether I was in the minor leagues or then once I got to the big leagues, and you'd get to the World Series and say, well, tomorrow night we're going to have an American League umpire behind the plate. And, you know, um, it just was too much. Or the way they interpreted, meaning the National League interpreted a certain slide rule or something compared to the way we did. So I think it was one of the best things that Major League Baseball ever did um, was to combine both leagues. And... Um, I was never a fan of the DH, so it was kinda nice, you know, to go to the National League parks and, and not have the DH and um, I just think all around it was it was a good move. It was a good move for baseball. And I, I was fortunate I had my first seventeen years in the American League and my second seventeen years um, doing both.
3: Did you ever have? I mean I always wonder about you know, they say that closers who blow saves have to have a short memory. But for umpire, I mean, you could have Billy Martin or Earl Weaver or Lou Pinella just rip you a new one, spit all over you, and then the next day you got to act like nothing happened, but you're a human being. How hard is that?
15: Um, you know, you, you learn that from day one at umpire school, and um, as long as they, to me personally, as long as they were willing to move on and forget, then I could do that too. Um, because to me that's just an important part of life. I, um... I had Billy Martin. I had Earl Weaver. I had Lou Piniella as a player and a manager. Lou was the best example of somebody that would um, go crazy one night, and next night he'd come to home plate, and he'd say, boy, I really put on a show last night, didn't I? What an ass I was. You know, back not <laughs> laugh about it. And you knew that with him, it was just a new day. It was over. I was doing what I felt I had to do, and
16: mm-hmm. moving on.
3: You know, it's funny because, uh, you know, I'm an Oakland guy, and, and during the Bash Brothers uh, years, it always seemed your old colleague John Shulock and Tony La Russa just openly hated each other. And if Shulock was behind the plate, we're like, well, Ricky Henderson better swing at everything tonight. And maybe a lot of that was just, uh, you know, the press would pump that up. But yeah. <laughs> but did you ever have, you know, colleagues who would be like, that SOB, I'm going to get him tonight? I mean, how do you put that away?
15: Um never really that you're going to get somebody just maybe you had the attitude like you know i think he was unfair to me last time or he he got he he really you know got in my face um and if he if he does anything i'm going to be you know quicker with the trigger tonight or i'm not going to take anything from him but not really that you're ever going to get him because that's then that then you're lowering yourself to a standard that's not professional
3: no doubt. A couple more questions for John Hirschbeck, collectibleexchange.com, without the E, for the Magic of Michael Foundation. Um, you know, Jim Joyce, who I, I remember when I was working in TV in the early 90s, we had this show called uh, Major Leagues, Minor Dreams, and it actually followed him through the minors. So I remember hearing about him when, you know, he finally made it to the show. but. You know the whole thing with um, uh, Galarraga and the perfect yeah. game, and 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 I had him on the show. He wrote a book about it. Um, he says he still thinks about it every day. He got death threats. He calls it the worst call in the history of of baseball. Um, obviously, that's a horrible thing to live with. But just on a uh, you know a lower extent, do you have calls that have haunted you like that?
15: Um, you know the one thing that's a really that's some question there. The one thing that comes to my mind, and it's been well put under the bridge and life goes on, but um, when Robbie Alomar spit on me, yeah. um, I'll, I'll be with friends, and if it comes up, I say, you know, if, I, if only I had just said ball four, life would have been a lot easier mm-hmm. um, instead of strike three. And it, it doesn't haunt me or bother me, but it's one of those things, jokingly, I look back, and but I'm serious, I say, sugar, I should have just said ball four, <laughs> and none of this crap would have ever happened. But you know what? In a way, it's good. I always say God works in strange ways because um, it probably made me a better person, made me a better umpire, um, but more made me a better person in dealing with something like that in, in life and professionally and trying to handle it in the proper way. And, you know, both of us, he and I have moved beyond it, um, you know, where we we are uh, friendly um, I mean, I'm the same friends. I haven't talked to him since he got inducted in the Hall of Fame, and he called and said thanks. And um, But, you know, life goes on. And you know what I've always said about Robbie? If that's the worst thing he ever does in his life, he have led a very good life.
3: Yeah. And, I mean, you guys ended up shaking hands, and he helped you raise yeah. money. and And yep. so, yeah, so that was good in the end. One more umpiring question for you. Uh, Joe West, uh, Country Joe, he's now managed, I should say, umpired more games than than anyone in in history and just going through the eras back when you used to hold those big cardboard things in front of you. I mean, he's just gone through the eras. So when you look at his, I mean, you had an amazingly long career. When you look at him, what did he beat you by like eight years? I mean, what do you think about Joe? Um.
15: God bless him. I'm happy <laughs> for him because I know it meant a lot to him. But, um, I've been out of the game five years and all I say is, damn, I've been having a great time. I mean, <laughs> hunt, fish, golf. I never got to golf because I was always on the road those times, but, and fishing. Um, you know, we live on a lake. I get to do that. I play golf a couple times a week and I don't have to go to the ballpark and I don't eat in restaurants unless I want to and I sleep in my bed. But, um, so, And I've never missed it for a second since I left the game. But yet I'm thankful to God every day for what I did because I I loved it when I did it. And Joe's just still loving it. I guess that's the best way I can answer it. He's still loving
3: it. Did you ever work with your brother, Mark, and the same crew?
15: Uh, Only in playoffs. We did Seattle, New York, Yankees in the early 2000s in in the uh, American League Championship Series. And then, of course, in spring training, we were in the Sarasota area together. Mm -hmm. But um, in 2000, when the leagues merged, I became a crew chief, and he did also. Um, And then he blew his hip out. I think the last time he worked was 02.
3: Pretty amazing. All right, so a little bit more about uh, the Magic of Michael Foundation, uh, the mission to inspire, empower, and provide hope to families enduring curveballs in life. And everybody has those, especially during 2020, as the pandemic affected all of us. Tell us about some of the items up for auction, John.
15: Well, we, we had a lot of things go off in the fall auction, uh, but Brandon Steiner was smart enough to hold back some things. And there's, there's Ken Griffey ball, there's a Robin Young glove and, you know, uh, George Bush, um, all-star autograph baseball, just a lot of things that, uh, he kind of kept for this, this spring auction. And, um, I think there's still a lot of neat things that people can get if they want to take a look. And I would encourage them to go to magicalmichael.com and look at our website, stories that I'm, you can go to a, a, a site, but also the things that we've been doing and the pictures of children and the Christmas things we do with Akron Children's Hospital, and uh, I think they'd enjoy it.
3: Great stuff. Last question for you. If, you. if you look back on your career, all the World Series, All-Star games and, and you know, playoff games, is there a moment that, that sticks out for you and you're kind of like, wow, this this is this is pretty cool right now?
15: I'm going to tell you something that you would never expect. Um, when my son John passed away in 93, we came, we were in spring training, he passed there, and we all, of course, had to fly home with his body, and we'd had the funeral, and then my wife Denise said, you know, we really can't do anything here. Um, let's go back and you know do our best so i was in sarasota and the yankees were playing um back then it would have been st louis i believe but the yankees were the visiting team and um i was supposed to work the bases that day and i told marty springstead our supervisor i said you know marty if i'm going to do this job i gotta i want to work the plate and see you know and be able to handle it so I did, and that day Buck Showalter came out with the lineup cards, and, um, and all nine Yankee starters from Derek Jeter, Wade Boggs, I mean all of them back in, back in the early 90s came out and um, you know, told me how sorry they were and, and handed me the lineup cards, and, and I swear to God I had tears in my eyes. And it was then that I knew like, I was so fortunate to be a part of the baseball family which is a very, very tight group. Um, it's like any family, you argue, you have disagreements, but when push comes to shove, you're a family, and that's when I realized how fortunate I was to have the job that I did.:
3: It's an amazing story. We've been speaking with John Hirsch back. Remember the the magic of Michael Foundation. You can find it on collectibleexchange.com and remember collectible letter X change, com. John, you, you, your family, you've been through so much, man, and you're still out there helping people. It's just so admirable. Thanks for being on the show again. Appreciate it. Rick, it's always a pleasure. All right, I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break. Come on back on Sports Byland.
1: That's
7: 800-472-5145. Do you own an annuity, either fixed rate, indexed, or variable? Are you paying high fees and getting low returns? If so, Annuity General would like you to have this free book to learn the pitfalls and mistakes of buying an annuity. The Annuity Do's and Don'ts for Baby Boomers contains the little-known truths about annuities, like how to help reduce your fees and increase retirement income,
1: 800 760 1845. 800 760 1845. That's 800 760 1845.
18: You spent over a decade in the Middle East, and I just wanted to say that I'm a great fan of your work. Well, thank you I very would, much. For don't that. interrupt me, please. Thank you.
10: <laughs> what did I do?
12: You must be crazy. Use a D.O.G. And if you was my man, I would have been kicked you out of my house by now. This is what had happened.
3: All right. Uh, thank you for that. And uh, pretty amazing stuff from John Hirschbeck. And, you know, when I think about especially that Jim Joyce game, and it was just, you know, I, I'm not a Tigers fan. Who is outside of Detroit? But the entire sports world, baseball world, was just sick. To their stomach is the last. I think it was Jason Donald. He hits a chopper down the line, and he's safe. I mean, he's out by a mile. And Jim Joyce goes safe. And it's funny. The person who should have been the most upset was Armando Galarraga. He was robbed of a perfect game. Funnily enough, Jim Joyce actually did work the Dallas Braden game. I think he was the second base umpire a few works a few weeks earlier in Oakland. And <clears throat> and he's like, what do you? Call it Records just kind of has a smile on his face, like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, okay. And he should have been the one that was most furious. But for Jim Joyce, this is an article I think last year I read. He says he thinks about it every day. And that's, you know, you want to be in the show, you know, and you make the wrong call. Nowadays, it would be fixed like that. They just put on the headsets and go, got it wrong. No big deal. So if you hate replay, just remember, it would have fixed that. All right, we got another two hours to go. I'm Rick Tittle, come on back on Sports Biology.
19: USA Radio News with Lance Pride.
4: As the Defund the Police movement is being pushed by lawmakers, violent crime in major U.S. cities is spiraling out of control. Murders are up 22% in New York City, up 50% in Atlanta, and murders are up 800% in Portland, Oregon. White House spokesperson Jan Saki puts the blame on violent crime on the Trump White House.
6: There's actually been a rise in crime over the course of the last year, since the start of the pandemic, which actually predates President Biden taking office. We're focused on uh, solutions here, and that's why we proposed uh, putting, we put $5 billion in the American Jobs Plan to help address community violent intervention programs, to help fund them. That's also why we fought for funding for state and local governments in the Rescue Plan, something uh, many uh, opposed. There was a lot of Republican opposition to that that's helped keep cops on the beat and other public servants.
19: USA Radio News. Recently Facebook announced its ban on former President Trump but promised to review the ban in six months. Now Newsmax wants to know if you think Trump should be back on Facebook. Vote in Newsmax's national poll and let us know your opinion. Just text the word NORTH to 39747. That's NORTH to 39747. It takes just seconds. Make your voice heard. We'll share poll results with the 30 million people who watch Newsmax TV. Forbes calls Newsmax a news powerhouse. It's already the fourth largest cable news channel in America, with great recent guests like Donald Trump, Mike Huckabee, Franklin Graham, John Voight, Alan Dershowitz, Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Mike Pompeo, and so many more. Newsmax is on all major cable systems. If your cable company doesn't carry Newsmax, call them. Tell them you want Newsmax or you can switch. So vote now in the Newsmax poll on Facebook's Trump ban. Just text NORTH to 39747. Let Newsmax and America know your opinion. More
4: than one-third of the United States population is unprepared for retirement. A new poll by Technometrica, Institute of Policy and Politics found. A total of 36% of Americans do not have savings earmarked for retirement, and 38 plan to work beyond the age of 65. The percentage of people without retirement savings is highest among those earning less than $30,000 a year. The poll was conducted in April and did not disclose how many people were questioned. Reuters is reporting President Biden has decided to use imported metals to build electric vehicles in the United States. It's part of a plan to pacify environmentalists, two administration officials with direct knowledge told Reuters. In a follow-up, a suspicious package delivered to the home of U.S. Senator Rand Paul on Monday and reported to law enforcement had a powdery substance was found not to be dangerous in preliminary analysis. Tuesday, during an interview, Senator Rand Paul, the Republican from Kentucky, says he's tired of the double standard applied to the political right compared to the left on threats and violence. USA Radio News. This day in history, Flash, 1897. The first copies of the classic vampire novel, Dracula, by Irish writer Bram Stoker, appear in London bookshops. Stoker would go on to publish 17 novels in all, but it was his 1897 novel, Dracula, that eventually earned him literary fame. Flash, 1927. Henry Ford and his son, Etzel, drive the 15 millionth Model T Ford out of their factory, marking the famous automobile's official last day of production. 1907.
5: American opportunity has no limits has been known to knock more than once how about you very young people who see a tough life ahead well when Lee surrendered to Grant at Appomattox Booker T. Washington was a 9 year old slave yet by the time he was 28 he became president of Tuskegee Institute and at 8 Charles Lindbergh was flying a kite wondering how it would feel to be up that high at 9 Bert Bacharach was thinking the piano lessons had never end. How many of you are pushing 50 and complaining that the country is going to hell? Crispus Attucks was in his 40s when he died on State Street in Boston, fighting for the freedom that we share. And John F. Kennedy was 44 when he asked not what his country could do for him, but what he could do for his country.
4: Actor John Wayne, an icon of the American West, is born in Winterset, Iowa. For USA Radio News, I'm Lance Bryant.
3: Thank you for that, and uh, welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you. We're here talking some sports, 1-800-878-PLAY, 1-800-878-7529. Coming up after a quick break, we'll have the Lucas Brothers on, who uh, were both um, nominated for an Academy Award as they uh, co-wrote and co-produced Judas and the Black Messiah, uh, which was a uh, huge hit. It's about uh, Fred Hampton <clears throat> of the uh, the Black Panthers. But uh, these guys are, uh, are uh, comedians, and uh, they're just very talented young men. We'll have them on. Also, Joe Cardona will join us in about... Hey, Joey! Joey Cardona! Hey! I can't help it. Uh, Navy officer, Patriots long snapper. Uh, I was actually third string long snapper for the 1968 Cleveland Browns. A lot of people don't know that. Irish actor Stuart Townsend. New movie, Grace and Grit. You want to talk about a a, uh, sad movie. When somebody tells you, oh, this movie, you're going to cry for sure. I'm out. (laughs) Why would I want to cry? You know, if it's a, I'm not a big crier, but if it's so sad that you get teary eyed, I don't know how that's fun. That's what people say. Well, how is being scared fun at a horror movie? I'm like, well, you know, it's not real. And they go, yeah, but, you know, the other movie's not real. I go, yeah, you know, a sad movie's not real, but you still feel those pangs of sadness. So, but if it's well done, like the Stewart Townsend, Grace and Grit, you want to see it. Oh, yeah. All right. Big shout out to our brave men and women listening on American Forces Radio Network worldwide. Thank you for your, all the things that you do for keeping us and our allies safe. Keep up the good work. Hope to see you at home soon. We're on the TuneIn app, the iHeartRadio app, and the Stitcher app. We're at sportsbyline.com. Streaming along. Emails rick at sportsbyline.com. And on your television sets, if you have cable, CRN Digital Plus 2. We're there in 35 million homes. Homes. Just a quick break. Come on back with the Lucas Brothers. I'm Rick Tittle.
20: It's time for some straight talk. You've got real work to do, but everyone's sucking up the free Wi-Fi faster than a mocha choco double frap on ice. So be your own hotspot. Now with Straight Talk Wireless, get 10 gigs of hotspot data with the ultimate unlimited plan. Just 55 bucks a month on America's largest and most dependable networks. You don't have to find
0: a hotspot. You are the hotspot. Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Compatible device required. See straighttalk.com.
5: Check out Channel 9.
3: Check out Rick Tittle. All right. Uh, thank you for that, and welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on American Forces Radio Now, Rick, You know I love the comedians when they come to town here in San Francisco, or if we can get them on the horn. And that's what we're going to do right now with the, the Lucas Brothers, Kenny and Keith. They are at Raleigh Good Nights. They have a, a special show coming up on uh, Sunday at 7 o'clock out there in uh, down Tobacco Road. Uh, gentlemen, welcome to the show, and, and I'll just uh, I'll ping pong these questions. Let's start with you, um, Kenny. Uh, I just uh, was thinking when you guys were starting out. I mean, did you kind of had your plan that hey, by the time we're in our 30s, we're going to be nominated for an Oscar? Was that part of the grand plan?
18: Uh, no. <laughs>
3: oh, man, I can't hear you. Let's try and uh, reconnect with them. I can't hear Kenny. All right, we'll try again. That's the uh, the world of the cell phones, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, as I mentioned, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, uh, which was a, um, you know, a biographical drama about uh, Fred Hampton and how he was betrayed, but he was part of the, the Illinois chapter. Okay, do we have him back? Do I have you uh, now, Kenny? Can you hear me? There you go. Sorry about that. Yeah. I think my studio no, went worry. through a dead zone. Uh, but anyway, the, the Oscar thing, that, uh, I mean, well-deserved for Judas and the Black Messiah, you guys, but, uh, I mean, how much of that was uh, uh, surreal?
18: The entire experience was uh, very surreal, man. Like, I, you know, you never really, you dream of things like this. You, you conceive of the story, you write the script, and it goes into production, and you're just like, okay, what what happens next? And we well, it was just surreal, man. I almost, I almost shed some tears. I didn't, but I
10: almost did.
3: <laughs> well, Keith, you know, you you, you think about what uh, Fred Hampton met that says as such a young man, and um, you know, I'm from Oakland. My my grandmother in the '60s worked at the Alameda County Courthouse, and the Black Panthers at one point uh, formed a line around, and and she was a vote counter by hand, if you could believe it. But they had to like they had to like break through. The cops had to like help them through the the line. So the Black Panthers so prevalent out here in the Bay Area. Uh, what was it about the whole movement that spoke to you guys?
18: I mean, you know, we were we were young poor, black kids in Newark. And uh, once we got to college and learned about the Panthers, their story just uh, it, it had a visceral impact on us because, you know, they were young and they were black and they were poor and they and they were fighting for justice. And uh, it was just a uh, I don't know we, we were we were intrigued by how they went about doing it, but we were also intrigued by the politics behind it and uh, they just had some really really uh pivotal figures within the group that 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 fascinated us
3: and Kenny you know it's funny I grew up with um, uh, some identical twins and by the time they got to oh. high by the time they got to high school they had to go to different high schools they like couldn't they couldn't take it anymore the comparisons the people asking all the questions and 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 you guys seemed to, you know, kind of like the Scar brothers, you embrace each other, you compliment each other, but did you guys have like a moment where you're like, look, we got to separate?
18: Oh yeah. I uh I, I would say in high school right around maybe right after I mean, no, college. We were sort of going through this identity crisis. He had a girlfriend. Uh I wasn't in a relationship, so that was that was a source of tension, and I think I wanted to just like kind of different. And then uh but eventually we started studying the same major and then we went to law school so then it just became like, Oh no, I think we're better than But there, yeah, there was a period where we were like, Yeah, I'm I'm sick of this guy. I don't I am I'm, <laughs> I'm tired of seeing his face. I'm tired of seeing my face. I, I never had that period. That was
3: <laughs>
11: I, I've
18: always been committed to the twinship.
3: <laughs> I like that. And Keith, as you said, uh, you know, if if one of you is mayor of Newark and gets assassinated, the other one just steps in like nothing happened. <laughs>
18: That's right. You know, we have uh, we always have an insurance policy.
3: <laughs> um, I'm a huge fan of the uh, the cellar in in the village. A huge fan of a lot of those clubs. But um, for you guys, once you get passed by SD and, and and all that other stuff, I mean, how, what what was it like going from strength to strength and just keep like moving up the ranks?
18: It was, uh, you know, stand up can be a very grueling and, and uh, unforgiving profession. And early on in in our careers, it was hard, man. We weren't getting, much stage time. We weren't getting paid. Like, it was rough. So to get the the approval from the seller and getting up every night and and being respected by your peers, I think it's uh, it's one of those great things where you're just like, okay, we've finally sort of found our voice and we've finally found our, our sense of the community. So it's been surreal, again, amazing, really.
3: Yeah. And, and Keith, I know you guys were an episode of, of crashing and I've talked to a few New York comedians who will remain nameless and they are, <laughs> they were very disappointed that they were like, they thought a couple of the few that, uh, you know, Pete never had on the show. Well, was that kind of a, a, a running thing? Like who's in, who's out?
18: You know, I mean, it's, it's weird. Uh, stand up as, as Kenny kind of alluded to, you know, it's, it's a it's a competitive uh, uh, it's a competitive sport, so I, I get why folks would uh, want to be on the show. It's a brilliant show, and uh, Pete is just a, a brilliant performer, and Judd as well. So I get why folks wanted to be on it, but you know there's only slots, and uh, I feel like the the comedians that were on the show
10: uh, definitely deserved it.
3: And uh, Kenny, I hear you guys are working with Judd Apatow on a, a movie about you guys. I mean, we just had the one with Pete and Staten Island. Are we going to have the Kings of Newark movie?
18: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're definitely the Kings of Newark for oh, sure. No, 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 no. I'm just kidding. I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We're not. We're not at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely semi autobiographical, and it's going to take place in our hometown. Uh, you know, we're different comedians than Pete. But Judd has this way of just, like, bringing out great stories for stand-up comedians. I mean, he did it with Kuma, he did it with Amy, and he did it with Pete. So I think we're going to try to, like, (laughs) try to benefit from some of that magic a little bit.
3: And, you know, Keith, me as a, you know, I work in San Francisco, but I'm from the Oakland side, and people like to come to the city and say, oh, bridge and tunnel. And I know that originated back there in, in Manhattan for people who lived in, in Jersey. Uh, what's that like for you when, I mean, even as a little kid, I'd watch SNL, and all they do is joke about how much New Jersey sucks, and yet every time I've been in New Jersey, I, there's just, like, farmlands, and it, I expected to see this, like, open sewer, and it's actually a very beautiful-looking <laughs> state.
18: Yeah, I, I mean, New Jersey gets a, gets a bad rap, but it, it's, a, it's a beautiful place. I mean, it's so eclectic, and, and, and Newark in particular has uh, done a lot to move the culture forward, so I think New Jersey's underrated. I mean, we do have some some, some terrible politicians coming out of that place. But. I, I blame the Jersey Shore, man. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I feel like the Jersey Shore was like the reputation. And they the weren't Jersey. even from Jersey. And they weren't from <laughs> Jersey. I'm like, what is going on? Like, this is insanity. But I think uh, I think Jersey's I, I think Jersey's on the up and up. I think a renaissance. I think I mean, once once Chris Christie uh, goes away, I feel like there's a there's a renaissance upon us.
3: Yeah, and those Jersey Shore people. I heard Italians complain like they're not even Italian. <laughs>
18: it's true, man. I mean, I don't know how they became the the, the mascots for Jersey when none of those guys represented Jersey properly.
3: <laughs> I just remember driving across the George Washington Bridge, and um, I got—I think I was in Mayfield. It was this beautiful little town. I went to a coffee shop, and I'm like, "There's no Tony Soprano here. This looks fine." <laughs>
18: That's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> That's hilarious.
3: Last question for you. With both you guys, I mean NYU Law, Duke Law, do you see things sometimes and, and now that you have a you know a little bit of knowledge about how the law works, do you sometimes feel like you're like, ah, I'm gonna point this out or that out?
18: Oh my god. It's so annoying like when you're just hanging out with your friends and you're familiar with like some obscure uh, statute or some obscure law and you're <laughs> like, Why am I why do I know this? Why am I why do I care? Like, I, But I'm also extra cautious around the cops. So I think that's why I've never like had any incidents because I'm so well-versed in the law. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, to know the law is to, to be at a competitive advantage.
3: Yeah, you'd be like, actually, Thompson versus South Dakota, there was a problem <laughs> <laughs> It
18: works on cops, man. Once you, once you cite law, they, they back off. Man. So it's uh, very effective.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no doubt everybody make sure to check out the lucas brothers kenny and keith uh raleigh good nights go to goodnightscomedy.com for tickets hey if you guys ever out here at the punchline or cobs in san francisco i'd love to have you in studio man
18: oh yeah absolutely we love the punchline and we're going to definitely try to make our way out there and uh, again thank you for having us man
3: great stuff from the lucas brothers i'm rick tittle we'll take a quick break come on back on sports Violent.
1: That's 855-325-1780. You love your dog. Is something bothering him or her and you can't figure out what it is? Maybe they seem slow or lethargic. And maybe they just don't have energy. Wouldn't you like your dog to be living their very best life? Pet Joy offers a money-back guarantee on all of its products. If your dog won't eat it or you don't see the results you want, just let us know and we'll make it right. Totally risk free. What do you have to lose? You can't buy Pet Joy multivitamins in a store. The only way you can get them is through this unique radio offer. And if you call right now, learn how to get two bottles free with your order. Turn your dog's life around and make him or her a happy camper. Ain't that right, boy? He said call Pet Joy right now. 800 846 2153. 800-846-2153 800-846-2153 That's 800-846-2153
9: You're so ugly you could be a modern art masterpiece.
12: I'm 33% sure Rick Tittle is the father of my child, but I'm 100% sure Rick Tittle is a jackass.
3: Wow, that hurts my feelings, but uh, thank you for that. Joe Cardona will talk about the Patriot way. I'm scared of Belichick, man. I'm scared of him. No, he didn't say that. I'm kind of scared of him. What do you think of that? Huh? I said, what do you think of that? All right. 1-800-878-PLAY, 1-800-878-7529, get it in and get it hurt coast to coast. By the way, New York Times best-selling author John Grisham's new book, Sully, takes you to a different kind of court in his first basketball novel. Samuel Sully Suleiman is a raw young talent with big hoop dreams and even bigger challenges off the court. From his drive to succeed on the court to the devastating news of the Civil War in his home country of Sudan and his determination to bring his family to America, Suli is a gripping and moving story. This novel shows John Grisham's storytelling power, and nobody tells a better story than John Grisham. It is available wherever books are sold. And John Grisham was on my show twice in a week we have been doing this show like 20 years. How many times you had Grisham on? Two times, once every 10 years, and no, then twice in a week. <laughs> but it was good to have him on. And uh, he's got that kind of a southern drawl, too. He lives in Virginia. He's like, well, Rick, when we got the hogs out there at the auction, I'd go, here, that if I, that if that if I, that one, that if I, that if that if I, that if that if I, that if that I, that if I. No, he didn't sound like that. What am I doing? one eight hundred eight seven eight 878 play That's the number to call. Um, You know what? I'll get into the whole Spygate, Spectre thing in the third hour here. Let me just talk a little bit as a follow-up to the Julio Jones impromptu television appearance, which really was an appearance. It was Shannon Sharp, his uncle, holding up a phone going, what do you want to do? And he said, I'm out of there. Well, guess what? Um, first of all, now this is the type of thing where you get these legal, uh, dummies involved. Cause I remember one time my high school history teacher wanted to show that money was just a piece of paper and he ripped up a dollar bill and one kid stood up and said, that's a federal offense. He's like, what? And the guy's like 14 or 15. You're destroying government property that is legal, tender. It's property of the United States Treasury, and you are not allowed to destroy it. And I'm like, good Lord. But how about this? That phone call was live, but it was also being recorded. And if he was truly unaware, and remember, it happened in California where the show is produced. California is a two-party consent state, meaning that both sides of the call would need to acknowledge that it was being recorded. So Shannon Sharp could face a misdemeanor charge that carries a $2,000 fine and or a year in jail. Now, that would only happen if a complaint was filed and then they'd have to fight it. And by the way, <clears throat> to me, if you want to be a stickler and give them a $2,000 fine, I really don't have a problem with it. But a year in jail for a guy who's asking some No. When we've got people on the street, how about a year in jail for everyone that drives 95 and weaves through traffic? I would love to give those people an automatic year in jail. Not this. But the more pressing dilemma in reality is that um, what this moment has done, it has made Jones trade value. Plummet. The Falcons were blindsided by this. Maybe even Jones himself. But the Falcons believe it has completely undercut whatever negotiating position they've had. What's the downside on Julio Jones? Only one thing, and that he's 32 years old. Other than that, everything's great. But Atlanta has a point with him saying that he's done with the organization. It doesn't leave the Falcons any wiggle room to say that we're just going to keep him for 2021 because he's already said he's out and say, well, he's going to sign an extension. No, he's not. So now that everybody knows that Jones is going to be playing somewhere else in week one, what does that do for the GM there? By the way, that's Terry Fontenot now, who's the GM of the Falcons. And does that scupper the trade talks though? I mean, what if people are like, "Well, we're not giving you a number one. You're not. No. Why should we give you a number one? He's gone. We'll give you a, we'll give you a three and a future four. What happened to the trade value? So. There are still a couple quarterbacks out there with situations that have not been resolved. We talked about Aaron Rodgers. The Packers say he ain't going nowhere. Deshaun Watson, talent-wise, is as good as it gets, but we don't know if they're going to wash their hands of him in Houston or whether he's even going to be allowed to play. You think about how long it took Antonio Brown to get back in, and he had less accusations than Watson did. But if you try to think about where he could go. Now, first of all, what is Jones going to make next year? 15.3 mil. That is the 10th most um, of wide receivers. And, uh, yeah, he's a star, but once again, 32 years old. So where could he go? I talked yesterday about how the 49ers were a connection, and the 49ers are not averse to splash moves as we have seen recently with Trey Lance and three number ones. But um Shanahan, like any coach, wants an alpha dog in that room. Why do you think he went out to get Emmanuel Sanders, who helped them get to the Super Bowl, by the way? That was a great trade. You think about the A.J. Greens and the other guys that were out there. That was a great trade at the time. And, of course, these guys have worked together. But you think about... um you know, a team that has been looking for wide receivers and just gave Sammy Watkins $6 million would be the Ravens. What if Lamar Jackson had a guy like that? Uh, whenever there's an established veteran, I always tend to think that the Patriots will be involved. And there's something about those 30-something stars. I mean, look, they've already what, – what have they done, the Patriots, in this off season? Uh, they went out and they gave Algalor, Nelson Algalor some cash, and he was he was the Raiders' best receiver last year, and people will think if he was a one-year wonder or not, after all the drops in Philly. uh, They went out and got Kendrick Bourne from the 49ers, who is basically their third or fourth wide receiver. He's not horrible. But the Patriots could turn Julio Jones into Randy Moss 2.0 for him. Um, there's also... Uh, been rumors about the chargers. And look, Justin Herbert is you could say the best young quarterback in football. You know, if you want to call Mahomes old. <laughs> or Justin Allen. I mean, Justin Allen, uh the way he uh it's not Josh Allen, I'm thinking of Josh Allen is also a runner as well, but um the Chargers have paid big money at that position They have $38 million in cap space committed to wide receivers. I I think I'm missing something here when people say Chargers. Uh, There's also an obvious connection with the Titans. uh, Now that Arthur Smith is now head coach of the Falcons, the immortal Arthur Smith, talked about him yesterday as well. Um, He could say, who are the guys that I covet back in Tennessee? I don't know who that is. But if you think about A.J. Brown, would you trade Julio Jones? for? I think A.J. Brown is the next Julio Jones. I mean, he's got the same size. He's that dominant. Um, Would I make that trade? A.J. Brown and a two for Julio Jones? You're sold. And then another dark horse, and I think a lot of these things are just created by the media, but there were rumors in Philadelphia that the Eagles were going to make a huge move for him. And they just drafted a wide receiver in the first round, but uh, if you think about Jalen Hurts and giving him uh, weapons, you know, as I said with Julio Jones, ninety five point five the game yards per game in his career, uh, nine yards better than the next in the history of the NFL. Do you remember when they traded up to take Julio Jones and they traded an extra one, and I was thinking that was a lot to pay. I thought that was kind of a risky move, but that was a smart, smart move. I thought that was too much to give up for a wide receiver, but they knew what they were doing there. All right, I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break, and we'll come on back with uh, your calls at 1-800-878-PLAY. And uh, in the segment, we'll talk with Joe Cardona.
20: And now today's cleaning tip from Tubba heavy duty cleaning wipes. Most people are disinfecting more frequently these days, but did you know there's a difference between disinfecting and cleaning? Cleaning is the first step before disinfecting, and is needed on a regular basis to remove germs, dirt, and dust from surfaces. Plus, keeping a clean surface helps minimize the growth of future germs. And now a word from Tubba
0: Oh, child. Oh, child. At Tubba Towels, we started with the toughest messes and quickly realized Tubba Towels heavy duty cleaning wipes can clean just about anything, like stubborn brake dust, spilled paint, even permanent marker. There's literally thousands of uses. Proudly made in the USA with over 30,000 five star reviews. Find Tubba Towels heavy duty cleaning wipes at your local auto parts store, the Home Depot, Lowe's, and more. Look for the big yellow tub
9: Head to ReliefFactor.com or call 1-800-500-8384. Relief Factor helps to support a healthy response to inflammation and decreases discomfort from the effects of daily living. And you can get yours at ReliefFactor.com or by calling 1-800-500-8384. Your life, your freedom. Get back to living at ReliefFactor.com. Uh, th- playoffs? Don't talk about it. Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game.
12: Tittle ate 200 chicken wings at your mama's house last night. Now back to Fat Boy.
3: Wow, that, uh, that's really upsetting. It just uh, breaks my heart in so many ways. 1-800-878-PLAY. Come on in and get heard. We'll be joined by uh, Joe uh, Cardona here in a uh, couple of minutes. Uh I thought it was something interesting that was kind of... It, it, he probably thought it would be like wildfire. They'll be calling wildfire. They'll be calling wild... Sorry. Busted down his stall. Sorry. Uh, former major league catcher, Eric Kratz, which is German for Kratz, he uh, talked about some sign-stealing allegations Against a couple of NL teams. He was a guest on a guest on the Yes <laughs> guest on the Yes network. And uh, they said, hey, because he played for the Astros back when they were the Lastros. And they said, How about that sign stealing with the Astros? He said, Quote, I can tell you that a team that has been to the World Series often recently, we caught them doing something almost similar. Well, The Dodgers are the only team to have been to the World Series in recent times, multiple times, besides Houston. And it seems Kratz is implying that the Dodgers took part in some kind of sign-stealing during the 2018 season. He did not expound any further about their specific actions. He did not name Los Angeles directly. But you might remember that Robert Murray of The Athletic wrote in October 2018, four score and seven years ago. No, he wrote during the NLCS between Milwaukee and L.A. He said, there is concern among some brewers that the Dodgers are using video to pick up their signs. Others in the organization are unsure, end quote. Now, that article made clear that the Brewers understood that stealing signs from the dugout or base fast was fair play. But you would be crossing the line if you used technology, technology, tenacious D. Murray then reported that the Brewers told MLB's video room security of those suspicions, but that, quote, the security personnel responded that they had not detected anything, end quote. So then Kratz was asked about it later and he made a more specific claim against the Rockies. He said, and I can also tell you, cause I don't really care. I don't know anybody over there. The Colorado Rockies were doing the exact same thing in 2018. They used to take a Theragun and bang it on their metal bench and they were doing the exact same thing from TV. So there you go. If you think no one else was doing it, you are wrong. The difference is the Astros may have taken it too far which is uh, interesting, <laughs> to say the least. Kratz's whole point seemed to be that the Astros were perhaps maybe singled out uh, unfairly. Well, there's going to... I mean, are Kratz's comments going to give in a follow-up by MLB? Um, and And listen, the Brewers... He played both the Rockies and the Dodgers. They beat Colorado in NLDS, and of course fell to LA in a seven-game NLCS. And uh, but the la- he didn't he hasn't played a game since last year. He was a part timer for the uh, the Yankees, and he said he made the decision not to play this year. Well. It's sort of like I also made the decision not to play major league baseball. Dominic uh, Jimenez has made the decision not to play in the NBA this year. We just don't. We just don't feel like to, right now is the right time. I mean, you're talking about a guy that uh, made his debut as a 30 year old. So you got to love his uh, staying power in the minor leagues, Eric Kratz. But whenever I saw that guy play, and I saw him a lot in the American League West especially I was working a lot of games where Eric Kratz played, I never saw him do anything. And then I just looked up his career batting average is 209. Uh, that's 209 points higher than my major league batting average. Uh, <laughs> but th- th- this in, therein lies the whole thing about what my uh, one of my professors said in college, and I've brought this up before, and that is, if I hold a sign that says Save the Whales... No one cares. But if Tom Cruise holds up a sign that says save the whales and everybody's going to jump on that. And so the fact that it's Eric Kratz, a retired 209 hitter, says people were stealing signs. Everybody's like, "Uh, sounds good, Eric. What was your name again? Bob Kratz. Bob Cratchit, Nurse Ratchet, one of those things, which is a little bit weird. All right, um, very happy to uh, welcome uh, Super Bowl champion, two-time Super Bowl champion, and uh, Navy alum Joe Cardona with the show, the long snapper for the uh, Patriots. and He's here to talk about USAA Memorial Day as well. And in his observance to Memorial Day this year, USAA is leading the effort to encourage Americans to offer a digital tribute to fallen military members by visiting poppy, in memory.com. of course, the poppy from Flanders Fields, uh, going back to World War One. And uh, Joe, for you, as I mentioned, you went to uh, Annapolis. This is something very important to you, isn't it?
16: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys, as well. Um, you know, I really appreciate the opportunity to um, talk about such an important cause. Um, you know, happy to team up with USA and you know, spread the message that. You know, there are multiple ways to, to memorialize, you know, these heroes, um, on such an important day. And one way, like you said, PoppyMemory.com, um, you know, USA built out really a, a great resource to, to read about, to study, um, you know, some true American heroes and then all that they've done for us. So, um, you know, poppyandmemory.com. You know, aside from that, you can also dedicate a, a digital poppy to a, a friend, a loved one, anybody who you know who's made the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom. So it's, uh, it's, a, it's a great great thing to be a part of right now.
3: We know how much Bill Belichick loves the Naval Academy, his connections there, and probably not a surprise when he drafted you, although it's it's very rare, as you know, for long snappers uh, to get drafted. That shows how uh, accomplished you are, but, you know, we remember the days where Roger Staubach had to, you know, wait four years, and then Napoleon McCallum, he was, like, on the USS Peleliu near Long Beach so he could play for the L.A. Raiders. We know about the Admiral David Robinson saying, okay, we'll push back. How did it work for you with, like, the Secretary of the Navy saying, look, it's probably good publicity if you play this game and we don't want to take those years away from you? How did that do with, the, like, your, the, the years of service and the, the, the billet that you might have gotten?
16: Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I appreciate that. Um, you know, it's going to the Naval Academy I never expected to play in the NFL. Um I kind of saw around me, uh, you know, as a junior senior I'd already been playing for a few years and uh I kinda of realized, you know, my my place in the pecking order that I that I probably had the talent to play in the NFL. I just never knew I'd have the opportunity. Um, you know, and when um it came time for graduation. I also got drafted that year, and uh, they basically said, you know, I was on active duty my, my rookie year. Um, I, was, I was stationed in Newport Rhode Island, so it was, uh, my command basically said, hey, if you take care of business, you know, and what you need to do here, uh, we don't care what you do in your free time. So, uh, you know, but it was no big secret that I was playing in the NFL in my free time. So it was, uh, it was an interesting rookie year, a lot of work, um, kind of wearing both hats. And then uh, after, uh, after my rookie year, um, I'd reported to uh, to the USS Zumwalt um, while I was still being built up in Bath, Maine. And um, at that point, the Secretary of the Navy decided to put me in the reserve. So I've been a reserve sailor ever since, uh, and uh, have a, I've taken a lot of pride in my service um, that, that's ran, that's run congruently with my NFL career as well, so it's, um, it's good to put on the uniform every couple weeks and then get back to base. And uh, who who I the people that I like to be around, for sure.
3: Speaking of Newport, Rhode Island, that's where my dad went to OCS, and then he became a naval uh, officer. And uh, so I'm a big Navy fan. And, and speaking of USAA, they've uh, sponsored my show when I've gone to the Army-Navy game uh, a couple times in Philly. Looking forward to going uh, in uh, New Jersey uh, this year. But uh, for, what was it like with... Uh, with coach Nemo and and did you watch that reality show what was it 3 4 years ago following the team around i mean uh, how fascinating was all that
16: Yeah um you know sorry you cut out for a second the of that question
3: But you know that the, you know that the i I well, forgot who was on Showtime or whatever they followed coach Nemo and the team around and did that kind of just bring you right back
16: yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was my third or fourth year in the NFL. So it was, you know, an opportunity to see, you know, the guys still out there working, still um, you know, doing uh doing a lot of the same things, keeping the tradition alive. Um, you know, and uh, I think at that point most of the team had turned over since I'd been there. But uh yeah, it was it was really cool. Um obviously any any chance to highlight, um you know, Navy players, Army players, Air Force players, because the majority of us won't ever get to see the NFL. Um, I think it's always a cool a cool thing um, when, it, when, it, when the chance arises that they, uh, that they end up highlighting the service academies, because it's different than, than college football. And, um, you know, we're training for a different mission other than playing the NFL, for sure. So, um, you know, hopefully everyone enjoyed it as much as I did, uh, despite not having the same personal connection
3: yeah and one one more thing about long snapping too, and I asked John Condo this when he was with the Raiders, but you know i was a I was a d two safety and they didn't have a backup long snapper, and so I was the guy, and all I would do was I would basically just pass the ball through my legs. I think a lot of guys they overthink it. they take that top hand and they try to put a different spin on it. So you as a professional long snapper. How much of it is you just th- passing the ball through your legs, and how much of it is taking that top hand to get a little extra oomph on it?
16: Yeah, I mean, at this point, it's just such muscle memory for me. I, I just kind of, I've always been able to throw hard, so it's a, uh, it's a pretty, um, it's just gotten to the point where it's, uh, it, it's pretty natural. But I think my, you know, my general philosophy is, hey. I'm gonna throw it hard uh, between my legs to the punter and hope it and and do it as accurately as possible. I think that carried me. That's carried me thus far. I don't try to overthink it. That's for sure. I think I would maybe have the same uh, a lot of the same mentality you had for sure.
3: <laughs> Just a little bit better at it. A couple of Super Bowl rings. We have been speaking with Joe Cardona. Remember to go to poppyinmemory.com once again. Poppyinmemory.com as part of USAA's Memorial Day. Uh, observances. Joe, thanks for being on the show, and uh, don't give up the ship.
16: I appreciate it, guys. Beat Army. Not on Memorial Day, though. We're gonna, we'll save that for December. <laughs> All right, sounds appreciate good.
3: Appreciate it. Uh, Rick Toto. we'll take a quick break. Come on back on Sports SportsPilot.
1: 800-754-4531. 1759. I'm just a caveman.
8: Your world frightens and confuses me.
12: (laughs) Rick Tittle wants to hear from you. The phone call is free, y'all. Just dial 1-800-878-PLAY to get yourself on the air right now. Call him up now, lazy ass. 1-800-878-PLAY
7: I don't think you should be butting in when I'm talking to my team You're my assistant, okay? You're supposed to back me up and go get me
19: juice boxes when I tell you Now go get me a juice box You know who you're talking to? I'm talking to the juice box guy You're crazy well, I'm not crazy I'm just thirsty What well, are you go to hell? No,
9: you go to hell. While you're there, why don't you grab me a juice box? I'm no juice box boy,
13: I'll tell you that. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are.
3: No, I'm not. (laughs) All right, thank you for that. A couple minutes left in hour number two of three. Irish actor Stuart Townsend coming up on the other side. Emails, rick at sportsbyland.com. Email here from Scott. And I like it. Rick, will Tottenham get Anderson from Fulham now that they are relegated? Uh, that's Joachim Anderson, the fullback, who, when Tottenham played Fulham, he was the best player on the pitch. Uh, it's not that simple. Joachim Anderson, it's not like a club that's been relegated and now they got to sell their best player. Joachim Anderson was on loan from Olympique de Lyon, or as we call them, Lyon. When they bought him from Sampdoria, which is one of my favorite teams in Italy. In Genoa. It's Sampresi and Andrea Doria that put it together. Sam Doria. Sam Doria at the Estadio Luigi Ferraris. When they bought him, they paid thirty million euros. He's the most expensive Danish player in history. More than the Laudrup brothers, more than Christian Eriksen or anybody else. And uh, I would love if Tottenham some could, could summon six foot four. He was starting in Serie A when he was a teenager. So it's not as easy as just buying him from Fulham. They have to buy him from Lyon, but that would help the team immeasurably. I would love to get Joachim Anderson, not just because he's a Dane, but because he's excellent. Thanks for the question, though. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on Back. back.
19: USA Radio News with Lance Pride.
4: As the Defund the Police movement is being pushed by lawmakers, violent crime in major U.S. cities is spiraling out of control. Murders are up 22% in New York City, up 50% in Atlanta, and murders are up 800% in Portland, Oregon. White House spokesperson Jan Saki puts the blame on violent crime on the Trump White House.
6: There's actually been a rise in crime over the course of the last year since the start of the pandemic, which actually predates President Biden taking office. We're focused on uh, solutions here, and that's why we proposed uh, putting a five, we put $5 billion in the American Jobs Plan to help address community violent intervention programs to help fund them. That's also why we fought for funding for state and local governments in the rescue plan, something uh, many uh, opposed. There was a lot of Republican opposition to that that's helped keep cops on the beat and other public servants.
19: USA Radio News. Recently Facebook announced its ban on former President Trump but promised to review the ban in six months. Now Newsmax wants to know if you think Trump should be back on Facebook. Vote in Newsmax's national poll and let us know your opinion. Just text the word NORTH to 39747. That's NORTH to 39747. It takes just seconds. Make your voice heard. We'll share poll results with the 30 million people who watch Newsmax TV. Forbes calls Newsmax a news powerhouse. It's already the fourth largest cable news channel in America, with great recent guests like Donald Trump, Mike Huckabee, Franklin Graham, John Voight, Alan Dershowitz, Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Mike Pompeo, and so many more. Newsmax is on all major cable systems. If your cable company doesn't carry Newsmax, call them. Tell them you want Newsmax or you can switch. So vote now in the Newsmax poll on Facebook's Trump ban. Just text NORTH to 39747. Let Newsmax and America know your opinion. More
4: than one-third of the United States population is unprepared for retirement. A new poll by Technometrica, Institute of Policy and Politics found. A total of 36% of Americans do not have savings earmarked for retirement, and 38 plan to work beyond the age of 65. The percentage of people without retirement savings is highest among those earning less than $30,000 a year. The poll was conducted in April and did not disclose how many people were questioned. Reuters is reporting President Biden has decided to use imported metals to build electric vehicles in the United States. It's part of a plan to pacify environmentalists, two administration officials with direct knowledge told Reuters. In a follow-up, a suspicious package delivered to the home of U.S. Senator Rand Paul on Monday and reported to law enforcement had a powdery substance was found not to be dangerous in preliminary analysis. Tuesday, during an interview, Senator Rand Paul, the Republican from Kentucky, says he's tired of the double standard applied to the political right compared to the left on threats and violence. USA Radio News. This day in history, Flash, 1897. The first copies of the classic vampire novel, Dracula, by Irish writer Bram Stoker appear in London bookshops. Stoker would go on to publish 17 novels in all, but it was his 1897 novel, Dracula, that eventually earned him literary fame. Flash, 1927. Henry Ford and his son, Etzel, drive the 15 millionth Model T Ford out of their factory, marking the famous automobile's official last day of production. 1907.
5: American opportunity has no limits has been known to knock more than once how about you very young people who see a tough life ahead well when Lee surrendered to Grant at Appomattox Booker T. Washington was a 9 year old slave yet by the time he was 28 he became president of Tuskegee Institute and at 8 Charles Lindbergh was flying a kite wondering how it would feel to be up that high at 9 Bert Bacharach was thinking the piano lessons had never end. How many of you are pushing 50 and complaining that the country is going to hell? Crispus Attucks was in his 40s when he died on State Street in Boston, fighting for the freedom that we share. And John F. Kennedy was 44 when he asked not what his country could do for him, but what he could do for his country.
4: Actor John Wayne, an icon of the American West, is born in Winterset, Iowa. For USA Radio News, I'm Lance Bryant.
1: That's 855-325-1780. Rick Tittle knows his sports.
2: I hate that guy. I love that guy. Oh my gosh, he's so fine. Rick Tittle brings home the bacon, fries it up in a pan, and then he eats it. Ricky T in the hizzle for shizzle biznatch.
3: Hey, 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 welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you. 1-800-878-PLAY. 1-800-878-7529. We're here talking sports with you. With me? That's right, with you.
0: With you.
3: <laughs> Just little you. I know, that's how they get you. Um, Interesting that um, if you own a uh, McCaffrey jersey... All those fans out there of uh, the young running back with uh, Carolina. He's not going to change his number this year. He, of course, is number 22. And um, now that uh, running backs can wear whatever the hell they want, hes uh, he wants to go back to number five, which is what he wore at Stanford. But knowing... That the people who paid money to have his jerseys, he feels bad that they would make those jerseys, whilst not null and void, just collector's items. And um, I think that's very nice of him. <clears throat> I do. Because if you... like I know what it's like to love a number just as... You know, when you were in Little League, you wanted the number you wanted, Right. Didn't you? I know I did. And uh, it's uh, something that, uh, I don't know, I just think it's uh, heartwarming. (laughs) Are we down to to that type of thing? Where we start to judge little things like that? I don't know, I just think it's nice because he immediately said, oh, I'm going back to number five. And it's like, what about all the jerseys? What about the jerseys that are already made? So he said, all right, never mind. I think that's cool. All right. 1-800-878-PLAY to get in. We're going to have actor Stuart Townsend with us coming up after the next break. We'll talk about his new movie called Grace and Grit. And, um, oh, yeah, with Sean Hayes, Deborah Messing. No, that's Will and Grace. Ah, Uh, Your calls, 1-800-878-PLAY. Big shout out to the troops listening both home and abroad on the American Forces Radio Network as well. 1-800-878-PLAY. Come on back, y'all.
2: Clay's cleaning service has a spotless reputation. Hey, take care of the windows. Hello, this is Clay. But his business operations yes, could use a light dusting. Boy, I
7: had you scheduled for next week. I'll just check here. No, absolutely. We will be there tomorrow. Indeed
2: can help him hire the people he needs. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. When you sponsor a job, you immediately get your short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply.
9: Head to ReliefFactor.com or call 1-800-500-8384. Relief Factor helps to support a healthy response to inflammation and decreases discomfort from the effects of daily living. And you can get yours at ReliefFactor.com or by calling 1-800-500-8384. Your life, your freedom. Get back to living at ReliefFactor.com.
2: John Clay's cleaning service has a spotless reputation, but his business operations yes, could use a light dusting. Boy, I
8: had you schedule for next week, I'll just check
7: here. No, absolutely, we will be there tomorrow.
2: Indeed can help him hire the people he needs. I need Indeed. Indeed, you do. When you sponsor a job, you immediately get your short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria. Visit Indeed.com/credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply.
3: All right, thank you and welcome back to the show. One 878 play. One eight hundred-eight seven eight seven five two nine. Get it on in and get it heard. And I heard that of I keep doing the uh the old deal there. Hey, that a fire that hey or that one eight hundred eight seven eight play. Uh well we're waiting on Stuart Townsend. He should be here in a couple minutes. Uh Champ Bailey. Uh was uh, on uh, the podcast called All Things Covered, which is Patrick Peterson and Bryant McFadden. And uh, Champ Bailey was asked about Tim Tebow because he played with him with the Broncos. Remember, they won a playoff game over the Super Bowl champs, the Steelers, back in the day. And they said, what about him coming back to the old football field there? Bailey said, he's infectious, a great leader, I love his preparation, but I grew up with a lot of guys like that, and they just didn't have enough athletic ability to play football. He has a lot of great qualities, but he's just not an NFL quarterback. So they said, yeah, well, (laughs) then how about tight end? Chad Bailey said, quote, I think something about him wanting to play quarterback disabled him from getting the chance to play tight end, at least at a younger age. I think he should have made that move years ago instead of forcing himself to be a quarterback. Okay. Well, how about now? Bailey says, I don't see how he has a really good shot at making the team. Huh. Now, that's very honest. He said, great prep, great, uh, you know. Look, he won the Heisman and National Championships as a college quarterback. Champ Bailey just didn't think he was didn't have the athletic ability to be an NFL quarterback, and maybe his switch is too late. But he was asked about the Broncos and how they're doing. And, of course, they took Patrick Sertin, Uh, as the, uh, first round pick and of that pick Bailey said, quote, I thought it was a steal to be honest, this guy, since he showed up at Bama was a baller and he has the size, he has the pedigree. What else are you looking for? So, end quote. So with, uh, Bailey, look, that's nothing headline worthy, right? He's just saying his honest opinion. He's like, yeah, I don't think he's going to make the team. He made the switch too late. Well, uh, he started 16 games for the Broncos. And when they could, after that playoffs, and they end up losing in the next round, but John Elway had a chance to get Peyton Manning out of retirement. He did that. And then he had to go to the New York Jets. And he played 12 games that next year for the Jets. And then the next year, the Patriots had him, remember, as the backup to Tom Brady, but he never got out of camp. And then he was out of football for a year, and then the Eagles brought him in, and he didn't get out of camp. And that was in 2016 when he decided to try baseball, and he was a minor league baseball player for four years. And, um, of course, now a Jacksonville Jaguars tied in. The thing is, he's not in a room with Darren Waller or George Kittle or anybody like that. So um, we'll, we'll see one way or the other what happens with Tebow. But to me, um, I just think it's interesting. And I respect the fact that this was a conversation about talent. And I think it was an honest conversation. And I can't say that Champ Bailey is wrong. I think Champ Bailey is probably right. It is too late to think about being a brand-new tight end in the NFL. I'm not going to put it against him. I I think he has more athletic athletic ability than he probably thinks, Uh, not as much as Champ Bailey. But I like the fact that it wasn't a, hey, you know, a lot of people say, how is Kaepernick not getting a chance when Tebow gets a chance, you know? And... There's a point to that, but to me, that conversation was very um, that conversation was very poignant. The first couple of years of Kaepernick's blackballing, which what it was, he was blackballed, and you saw guys like Blaine Gabbert and you know 35 year old McCown and some of these other guys getting jobs, and you think, all right, something's wrong here. Now we're at the point now where. I mean, when people say, "Well, how's how's uh, Kaepernick not in there?" I don't know. I'm I'm kind of past that. I think that it's been too long for Cap. Um, although, if somebody remember that thing last year, or two years ago now, they were going to give him a tryout. They were going to have it at the Falcons' practice facility in Flowery Branch, Georgia. Day of, he said, "Never mind. I'm going to have it at a high school field." At which point, most of this scout said, "I'm out." They bailed. And um, and then that was it. I don't know if we can move him to twenty five. We probably can't, right? Yeah, yeah. Let's just go to break right now. We'll see if we can get uh, Stuart Townsend in. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.
8: That's eight hundred four zero three fifty nine twelve.
3: All right, thank you for that, and welcome back to the show, Rick Tittle, with you coast to coast and around the world on American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure to welcome to the show veteran actor Stuart Townsend. He has a new movie called Grace and Grit with Mina Savari. It's going to be available on uh, June fourth. Stuart, um, you know I, I love your background. You're you're Irish, obviously, but you, your dad's from uh, Cambridgeshire, right? And he's he's now in a town that I love in Hertfordshire called. Uh, Saint Albans. Uh, what's that like? Because I know it can be fractious sometimes between the Republic and between England, right?
21: <laughs> yes. Uh, hi, Eric. Nice to meet you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, in in a sense, you're you're uh, if you're half half of something, you're you're kind of neither one or the other. So um, I never really fit in in Ireland or England. That's probably why I ended up in the United States. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Now, for a while there, did you kind of go off the grid in Central America and, and y- your acting career went on hiatus or was that just a, an extended sabbatical? What w- What were you doing?
21: I was raising uh, two boys. Mm-hmm. That's essentially what I was doing. And prior to that, I was doing TV shows where I'd go somewhere for six months, shoot 80 hours a week for six months. And I just didn't want to do that. Um, you know, I wanted to raise my kids uh, and really be there for them. And have a great relationship with them which only comes from being present so uh proud to say I have an amazing relationship with my boys and uh, that's kind of what I was doing um luckily I've got two movies now coming out this year so it's nice to sort of be back a little bit because I do miss acting and I love it dearly um but you know time is uh is fleeting especially when you have young kids they grow up pretty quick so that's what I've been doing
3: No doubt. The new movie called Grace and Grit, Love Knows No Boundaries, as I mentioned with Mina Savari. This this is some heavy stuff, uh, isn't it? I mean, this is comes from a very, very popular uh, book. It's about uh, love and and courage as well, isn't it?
21: Mm, Yeah, I think it's um, for me, it's just a a really beautiful love story that is it's a mature, real, sometimes harsh reality love story. Um, But it's, it's, yeah, it's a story about two people who, who transcend the obstacles that are in their way and, and move towards an eternal love through, uh, through hope and despair and and through all the lessons that they've acquired um, because, um, you know, Treya, Ken Wilber, who's a great American philosopher, his wife, um, I mean, they met and before even their honeymoon, uh, she got diagnosed with cancer. And so you have this incredible, in, almost instantaneous, they, they say, they like to say it's love at first touch. You know, this instantaneous love that they felt was beyond uh, lifetimes, that they had probably met each other through previous lifetimes. And there was this incredible bond that then got tested to the max. And uh, yeah, it was just a real honor to be a part of a, a very beautiful love story.
3: And um, I think one thing that uh, I was taken aback by, because you, you always are nicely coiffed, you're going with the, uh, the bald look in this movie.
21: <laughs> no hair. No, no hair. I had to get rid of the old hair. Luckily for me, it actually grew back, which was great. You never know when you're 48. So, uh, <laughs> But yes, I had to shave the head. Um, we, we tried a ball cap. Didn't look good. And I felt like you know if I'm gonna do this deep love story, I gotta I can't be wearing a ball cap that doesn't look good. So <laughs> off the off with the hair. And and to be honest, something did shift uh, when that hair left. And when I saw the director Sebastian with no hair, he his his face just lit up. It was like Ken Wilber was standing finally before him. And I felt it was a beautiful moment. I felt like. He must have felt that, that all this hard work and that he'd done for years alone was now paying off and he was making the film of his dreams and it was all going to be good. It felt like that moment between us. It was great.
3: That's great. I know you got to run one last question for you, but when you're dealing with so much heavy drama, bad news, you know, tears, uh, holding someone close to you, when they say cut, how much of that can you leave there and not take home with you? Because those are real emotions you're feeling.
21: Yeah. Yeah, they are. Um, and it's real love. Your heart breaks. It's your heart. You know, if you're, if you're, if you're going to go there, and going to get into it. It's, it's your heart that's going to break. Um, I, you know, luckily the film was only three or four weeks long. So it's a super intense shoot. You literally go into a tunnel and you, you, you know, you go the full, the full journey until the light at the end of that tunnel. So for me, I would Finished the, the night's work pretty exhausted, and then I just start learning lines for the next day. And or if I had a day off, I would just be watching YouTube videos of Ken. I was just immersed completely because I think, a, a, you know, a film like this, as an actor, you got to go, you got to be immersed. And so that's kind of what happened. I was always just on and in the film. And then when it ended, I kind of fell asleep on the couch for a few days, <laughs> <I> completely <laughs> collapsed. <laughs>
3: Well, we've been speaking with Stuart Townsend. Uh, it's going to be a hit. It's called Grace and Grit. It'll be available on June 4th and select theaters on digital platforms and video on demand as well. Stuart, congratulations on the film. Thanks for stopping by, man.
21: Thanks, Rick. Nice chatting with you.
3: All right, I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break. Come on back on Sports Byline.
21: No break. Oh,
3: that's right. We just started, didn't we? All right, no break. We know what we'll do. We'll make lines available at 1-800-878-PLAY. I went to break so early I threw myself off there. Um, But, yeah, Stuart Townsend, Um, I've always said that uh, if you can, if you're like a handsome man and you shave your head and you're still handsome, then that works. Like, for me, all I got is my hair. If I shaved my head, I would be just about the ugliest dude you've ever seen. Seriously. It would be hideous. So, like I said, that's about all I got left is my lid. Knock on wood. Of course, every time I take a shower, I got like a tarantula worth of hair. It's falling out of my head. Um, But every time I tell my friends who are bald, I'm like, I'm going bald. They're like, shut up. I am. All right. Let's get into uh, speaking of the Patriots. Let's go back to the spring of 2008. Are you back there? I'll wait for you. Ready? There? Okay. There is a senator out of Pennsylvania. You might have him, heard of him or hurl of him. Hurley, hurley. The Spectre of Arlen Spectre. Because he had launched an investigation into Spygate. He did? Yeah. He was trying to determine how many games the Patriots illegally videotaped the opposing coaches' signals that helped them win and learn why, under the orders of Roger Goodell, they destroyed all those tapes. So May of 2008, Spector, who is a former Philadelphia district attorney, a lifelong Eagles fan, he was so angry at what he called the stonewalling of that inquiry that he called for an independent investigator similar to the Mitchell investigation for steroids, remember the Mitchell report in baseball, and league executives and coaches might be forced to testify under oath. And that sent the NFL and Goodell, who was new, into a panic. And Goodell said if it ever got to the point of an investigation, it would be terrible for the NFL. Well, the NFL then tried to combat the Spectre inquiry with public statements from teams that were the primary victims of Spygate and saying the league did its due diligence and it wasn't working. So there was one man, a mutual friend of Spectre and Robert Kraft, who believed he could make the investigation go away. He was a famous businessman and a reality TV star who threw money at problems and politicians trying to curry favor, whether it worked or not. And he had been a very generous political donator, donator, is that a word? Donator to Arlen Specter for two decades. And early in that day, Specter had dinner with that guy in Palm Beach at his club, not far from where Robert Kraft lived in Florida. And a phone call followed And the friend offered Specter what the senator felt was tantamount to a bribe. Yes, it was Donald Trump who said, if you lay off the patriots, there will be a lot of money for you in Palm Beach. Interesting. This, of course, is alleged. And uh, Seth Wickersham, the ESPN writer, along with uh, Don Van Natta, have put together their findings uh, from this. And they say that uh, going back to October in 2017, they visited the University of Pittsburgh's archives and special collections. And for two days, they sifted through Arlen letters, uh, Arlen letters, Arlen Specter's letters, speeches, memos, notes, calendars uh, accumulated over 50 years, just searching for something to do with Spygate. And a couple years later, ESPN got a tip about Donald Trump. And at the time they heard about this, he had just, of course, launched that underdog campaign for president. And the tip was very hard to confirm because in Arlen Specton's papers, this is all according to ESPN now, the reporter found very, clue, very few clues about Trump. If they found something, nothing was conclusive. But before and after the visit to those archives, the ESPN reporter called more than a dozen confidants of Spectre. Now, Spectre died in 2012 of lymphoma. They hadn't turned up anything. But uh, ESPN then reported that uh, visiting with their, his former staffers in D.C., and going to a lot of uh, what they called uh, Beltway gossip venues, including a restaurant called BLT Steak, another one called Off the Record, they still couldn't get any rumors. Nothing nothing turned up. But, unexpectedly, there has been movement in this quest. And some follow-up conversations. His oldest son, Shannon Spector, who is a Philadelphia malpractice attorney, and a guy named Charles Robbins, who was the ghostwriter to two of Spectre's memoirs, revealed that Donald Trump did indeed dangle campaign cash if Spectre were to just drop the inquiry. And not only that, Trump said, I am acting on behalf of Robert Kraft. He's asked me to help, he's asked me to pay you off. Now, This is something that is gonna be rebuked, and it has been. Uh, Jason Miller is an advisor to Trump, and he said today, this is completely false. We have no idea what you're talking about. And then some follow-up questions were asked. And uh, he said, I'm done answering questions. A Patriot spokesman said that Kraft, quote, never asked Donald Trump to talk to Arlen Specter on his behalf. Mr. Kraft is not aware of any involvement of Trump on this topic, and he did not have any other engagement with Spectre or his staff. End quote. Now, <clears throat> the, uh, the connections with Spectre, Trump, and Kraft, they almost came up by accident because in July of 2010, ten, Spectre sat down uh, with one of his uh, tape-recorded discussions to prepare for writing a third and final book uh, that he called "Life Among Cannibals." Remember, six weeks earlier, Specter famously switched parties from Republican to Democrat. He lost a primary against Crom- uh, Congressman Joe C. Stack, and that basically uh, ended his five-term tenure uh, as a senator. And so that night, during a three-hour conversation inside uh, Specter's uh, Georgetown. House, uh, S- uh, Senator Spector was in a very expansive mood. And uh, what, you know, talking about Spygate, he thought it was a very noble crusade for fairness in all professional sports. And remember, it was Specter for 20 years who was a very loud and frequent antagonist of the NFL. It galled him that teams could move. It galled him that teams would ask for the public for a dime of money. Um, He tried to file legislation that would revoke the antitrust exemption. Uh, It was part of his whole thesis that the NFL owns America, and he said that uh, America is addicted to pro football the way that that they have never been addicted to baseball or even heroin. (laughs) We'll talk about that more on the other side, and lines are available 1-800-878-PLAY.
1: That's 800-251-7460
12: Tittle ain't the man, but Rick Tittle know who the man is, and he slapped his white fanny.
3: All right, I'll uh, get back to Arlen Specter in a second, but we have Vince in Lafayette who's called us at 1-800-878-PLAY. What's going on, Vince?
20: I want to talk a little bit about the Warriors. And I was sitting there, you hear all these people say, oh, they should get like a quiet or or a big, you know, veteran or something like that. And I go, if you look at the Warriors roster, you have um, Clay, who's, Coming back from an injury, making big bucks, he could. Yeah, you know, nobody's going to want him until he proves himself. Two, you got Stephen Curry, which the Warriors be insane to trade him. Three, you have Green. I don't think that many people are interested in him the way he plays. And then the fourth guy is Wiggins. So you got those are the four guys you could trade to make big money. Well, Wiggins you can't trade because he's a lockdown defensive player, and he's going to have to uh, help Clay out because Clay. You can't expect him to do that, especially next year when he comes back for his injury. So that, to me, kind of rules out any big players coming in here. So to me, the only way the Warriors are going to upgrade their roster, and everybody keeps saying, oh, they should trade the picks, the assets. I go, that's that's how they could upgrade the roster. It's the only way. And I think they have better pray for the ping-pong balls that bounce in their way, and they might get lucky. They may not. Who knows? But even if they don't, they should get two quality players, from this year's draft that really help out the team. Um, I let Oubre go and that. Um, I'm trying to think of that guys that center from wherever he's from um, East coast or Eastern Europe. I let those two guys go. So that frees up two spots for the two uh, draft picks. And then the other pick possibly um, you could um, move. Um, I mean, I, I just don't see anything. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm just looking at the other players. They're, the other ones are all like minimum wage contracts, which they're fit fine for who the Warriors are playing in the roster for the end of the year. So that's where I see the Warriors. I don't see, unless you tell me they're going to trade um, um, uh, Curry, who else could the Warriors trade to make up room for the slot You know, to get these players? Everybody keeps like quiet lender. There's no way they're going to get quiet lender.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, Draymond Green would have to go. There's 100 mil there.
20: Yeah, but who's going to want him? I mean, I'm the Clippers. I'm not trading... Kawhi Leonard for uh, Green, there's mm-hmm. no way.
3: No, no, it's, that, that's, only, th- that's only if, if uh, you know, uh, Kawhi Leonard demanded and said, I'll never play for you again. Then it would have to be one of those I, things.
20: I still wouldn't do it if I'm the Clippers. I bet you I could go to another team and find a better player. Probably, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, probably. I, I, I just, yeah, that's what I'm saying. If you look at it from the other team and, and all these other teams, why would they make the deal with the Warriors? I mean, you have to look for their point of view. And there's no way. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, so the Warriors have to step back and be realistically, their draft is the best way to do it. And then um, if they get really lucky and their their pick turns into a number one pick, which is like, or a two pick, which is like, you know, it'd be a miracle shot, um, that would really increase the, you know, then they could get themselves like a, a subs or something like that. And even if they don't, they should be able to pick up at least a guy from Baylor that you were talking about, the the guard, and they'll mm. probably get a, at least another good player from the Minnesota pick, assuming it stays at six. So, I mean, I think they could get two quality players in the draft, and I think that's how they're going to improve their team. I mean, can you see any other way for them to do it? Because I don't.
3: No, I, I think you're I think you're probably right. Hey, Vince, man, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Yeah, take care. That's Vince out there. And, yeah, either one of those Baylor guards, Mitchell, uh, Jared Butler, or Davion Mitchell, I'd be happy with either one of those. Lines are available, 1-800-878-PLAY. Back to the Arlen Specter thing and whether Trump offered a payoff with campaign money. Remember the whole thing about the, the, the affair with the porn star or stripper or whatever she was? It was like, that was my own personal check. That wasn't campaign money. <laughs> okay. What does Melania think of that? But... Um, we left off with um, Specter saying that America is addicted to pro football like they've never been to baseball or even heroin. Uh, it's a bit dramatic, but I, I kind of get it. But then Specter raised the question into that Spygate scandal inquiry, and he said he was frustrated because, remember, he was mad. The Patriots beat the Eagles in the Super Bowl in 2005 by a field goal. And he felt the NFL and the Patriots were blocking him from getting the truth. And so, um, you know, being the ranking Republican on the Senate Judiciary Committee, he wrote two letters to Goodell raising the NFL's, uh, uh, you know, uh, concern about having an investigation where you destroyed all the tapes. The hell is that? And then four days later, New England was caught taping the Jets' coaches from the sidelines, then the league investigated that the Patriots got fined 250k. Bill Belichick was fined half a million dollars, and they were docked a first-round pick. And then Goodell said that his most trusted aide, the general counsel, remember that guy Jeffrey Pash, that um, uh, you know talked about uh, now that this investigation's over. Um, in those videotapes as well need to be destroyed. So the punishments delivered, the evidence collected, evidence then destroyed. So to Spectre, this looked at best like an amateur investigation or worse, like a complete total cover-up. And then what really made Spectre seethe is that he wrote two letters to Goodell and Goodell didn't answer either one. And so that's when... The New York Times asked Spector, who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl between the undefeated Patriots and the New York Giants? And he said, it depends if there's cheating involved. So <laughs> this is all just, you can tell it's just lingering with him. And he said that um, he, uh, he said, illustrative of my chutzpah, bravado, and self-confidence, he called Robert Kraft. And Robert Kraft, even though he knew Spectre was furious, agreed to meet with Spectre at a hotel room in Boston in March of 2010. And uh, Kraft uh, said that the meeting wasn't memorable. Um, Spectre said, We had a delightful conversation. And this is from Spectre quote. And he said, Let me get this off my chest. Some of the things the Patriots did, which were very unfair, just unfair. I decided not to argue with him, end quote. So then he said they started talking about campaign money and being reelected. And so basically, I guess Kraft just said, yeah, you're right, and then charmed the pants off, so to speak. And so then Kraft led Spectre with this thing, quote, on a sign-stealing investigation, a mutual friend had told me If I had laid off the Patriots, there would be a lot of money in Palm Beach. And I said, I could not care less. So that was the one thing where the reporters were like, wait, they're talking about Trump here. So it just became a footnote on the Spygate saga was who was the mutual friend that offered them a lot of money. And people started thinking around. Look, they knew a lot of rich people and a lot of politicians. At that time, Trump was not a politician. So it wasn't until 2017 that Trump's name started coming up. And <clears throat> there was a uh, interview with uh, one confidant who said, quote, I asked Specter. he said, it doesn't matter, let's move on. And he said, um, I don't trust giving anybody that name. And um, then the informant said, I'm sure the offer was made by Trump but it didn't seem like an important moment. At that time, he was a real estate hustler and a TV personality. Well, uh, Trump's first check to Spectre was in 1983 for $1,000. This was all public. And a total amount of 11300 to his uh, campaign uh, committees uh, as well. There's nothing wrong with giving money to a politician unless it's a politician you don't like, and then I'm boycotting the team. Trump said of Spectre in 2004 at the Republican National Convention in New York City when he hosted a fundraising luncheon uh, luncheon for Spectre at Trump Tower. He said, quote, this guy is a great character. Arlen is quite simply a friend of mine. He's someone I like. And then he looked at Spectre and he said, I don't know if that helps you or hurts you. And everybody laughed. Well, now you can throw in another name, Roger Stone, because Roger Stone, <laughs> you know about him, pardoned. He was the campaign chairman of Spectre's, uh presidential campaign in 96. It's hard to believe, but Arlen Spectre tried to run for president. And uh, of course, then Stone went on to work for Trump years later. But as I said, ESPN reached out to Shannon Spectre, Arlen's son. And um, he now is more definitive. He said, It was Trump. My father told me that Trump was acting as messenger for Kraft. But I'm equally sure the reference to money in Palm Beach was campaign contributions, not cash. The offer was Kraft assistance with campaign contributions. My father said it was Kraft's offer, not someone else's. So they said, well, how'd your father react? Quote, He was pissed, and he told me about the call in the wake of the conversations and his anger about it. My father was upset when such overtures would happen because he felt as if it was tantamount to a bribe solicitation, although the case law on the subject says it isn't. He would tell me these things when they occurred. We were very close. So, um, listen, there's a federal statute. It's actually 18 U.S.C. 201 that covers the bribery of public officials. And as I said, I don't know if this falls into it or not. But the truth of, the, of this is, this happens all the time, and people are not prosecuted from it because there are bribes and then there are bribes. That's like when the guy says, you know, the girl says, I'm married. It's like, yeah, but are you married, married? <laughs> is it a bribe or is it a bribe, bribe? Are you saying no? Are you saying no? Stop it. So, um, listen, Shannon Spector's allegation of a Trump offer. Um is not on records at, uh, you know, anywhere. It's just a guy talking right now. And to understand why Trump might have intervened is just because he considered two old friends who were going at it and he wanted to help out. And in some ways, you could say that Trump was uh, doing a, uh, a solid. But it, there's also, uh, <laughs> apparently in this whole thing is that when Ivanka was going out with Jared Kushner, Trump wanted her to marry Tom Brady. And she said, you have to meet him. You have to meet him to Ivanka. (laughs) So, like, this goes on and on and on. And Spector embarked on that one-man Spygate investigation, mostly because he's an Eagles fan and he was mad that they lost. But uh, it keeps coming. It just keeps coming. And uh, as they said, with Trump offering this, people are going to make it out like it's some kind of war crime. Whether it's illegal or not, I can say I don't know. But Shannon Inspector, his son, is the one who's saying the T-word now. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back on Violent.
21: Who's watching? Tell me Who's watching, who's watching me?
1: Again, that's 800-449-1759.
7: Do you own an annuity, either fixed rate, indexed, or variable? Are you paying high fees and getting low returns? If so, Annuity General would like you to have this free book to learn the pitfalls and mistakes of buying an annuity. The Annuity Do's and Don'ts for Baby Boomers contains the little-known truths about annuities, like how to help reduce your fees and increase retirement income,
1: 800 760 1845. 1845.
19: Der Anlass war vollkommen nichtig und ich selbst griff erst gar nicht ein, weil Kinski im Vergleich zu anderen Ausbrüchen eher milde wirkte. Mach deine eigenen Sachen!
12: drink in that haterade, and bow down to Ricky T, y'all. All
3: All right, Uh, a couple minutes left in the show, and uh, getting ready to uh, kick off the Europa League final, which I wish Tottenham was in. Men, you shited against Villarreal, Villarreal de España. This uh, in uh, Gdansk, as they call it in uh, Polska, or as it used to be called when it was part of... um, Prussia, and then Silesia. It was called Danzig. There's now a Danzig band, by the way. But it's Danzig. Danzig or in Polska, Gdansk. And Manchester United said a, a, a number of their fans have been attacked at a restaurant on Doluga Street uh, in Gdansk. They say club staff were assisting a number of fans in Gdansk last night after an incident where some of our reporters were outside, uh, attacked outside a bar in the city. There's no place for any kind of violence. Uh, yeah, listen, uh, the English disease, what they call hooliganism, a lot of people, I think, do preemptive strikes. They just see English people and they think we might as well attack them now before we get attacked and before they trash our city. I just remember when the World Cup was coming here to the United States and they're going to be having games at the Silver Dome. They were putting in hexagonal real grass in there. My friend said, could you imagine if they tried to trash Detroit? That's how he said Detroit. Could you imagine if they tried to trash Detroit? <laughs> they would get beat down so hard. I'm like, uh like, yeah, they would. All right, uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow on 9 a.m. Pacific Time.